Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I'm disappointed. <laughs> Why? I am disappointed in Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, I see. Bayer Leverkusen have seen fit to pay 25 million euros for Granite Chaka, who had one year left on his contract. Yes. Now, I would suggest that this is questionable at the best of times, paying 25 million euros for Granit Xhaka. I think we all know this. But Granit Xhaka, with one year left on his contract, for a club who I, I, I quite like, Bayer Leverkusen in general, in terms of their dealings and their approach, let's say, and all the rest of it, um, 25 million euros is a lot of money for them. I don't yes. believe that they've paid 25 million euros for anybody since... Patrick Schick, maybe, which is three years ago. And before that, I can't even remember the last one that they bought for 25 million euros. Probably, no, no, I I can't even think of one, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure there is at some point. I'm sure that's not going to be their record. But it's a long time without them paying that kind of fees for somebody. And for it to be for Granite Jacket, I think is questionable. I think it's very questionable. So just for context, last summer, their biggest signing was Adam Plazic from Sparta Prague for 13 million euro. The summer before, they did pay 23 million euro for Adelon Kasonu, the centre-back from Club Bruges. Uh, the year before that, you're right, Patrick Schick, 26.5 million euro. Uh, the year before that, Ezekiel Pla Oh, they Kareem Demerbe, 32 million. Yes. Yeah. In 2019, and I would I would argue, Carl, that the presence of Kareem Demerbe still at the club makes the signing of Granit Xhaka a little bit needless because they do similar types of things. They're both those left-footed playmakers who are kind oh, of secondary thanks. playmakers, but you know, not overly effective. I wouldn't pay 25 million euro for Granit Xhaka if he was 25 and had three years left on his deal. But like you said, he's got one year left on his contract. He is 30 years of age, will turn 31 
in September, I don't really see how he fits all that well into this Bayer Leverkusen team either. If you look at that team, he's not what they've been lacking. Like what they could really do with is a dynamic ball winner. And maybe someone then who's an alternative to Patrick Schick up front. Like I know they've got Sardar Ousman, but he's had injury issues as well and hasn't been consistent for them. So like a number nine and a dynamic ball winner would probably have been a much better use of their money. And I would say a goalkeeper as well, because I'm not a, a huge fan of Lucas Verdecki. So I, I don't understand the move at all. I also don't understand how the price went from 14 million euro, which was being touted when this deal first came up at the end of May, to all of a sudden 25 million euro six weeks later. I'm not really sure how we've gotten to this point where the price almost doubled, considering Granajaka entered the last 12 months of his contract and got older. Obviously, in that time, he didn't get any better. He didn't extend his contract. You, the circumstances moved in Leverkusen's favour, and yet somehow Arsenal have convinced them to give them a, a sizable bag of money for a player that, like, let's be fair about this. He had the first good season of his Arsenal career, and it wasn't even that good. He was good up until about March. And then he shot the bed at Anfield and he was quite poor in the running. I know he got a couple of goals in the final day, but I don't care. He had the best season of his career, of his, of his Arsenal career. And the first thing they did was try and get him out the door. That should tell you all you need to know about how they viewed him. A very questionable one. And I think a lot of... Uh... Questions have to be asked about uh, Leverkusen and the rest of their window. You know, is there going to be an influx coming in and they have more money to spend? So they thought that this was, you know, a bit more disposable income this year because at the minute it's it's not much. You know, Mitchell Bacco is the only one who's really gone for anything. So mm, we'll see. That's it's definitely a club's dealings to keep, to keep an eye on this summer because uh, not I'm not that keen on the start. I'm not, I mean, I'm not that keen on Jonas Hoffman, to be honest, who they also bought, so we'll see. No, wouldn't be keen on him either. <clears throat> and I don't really understand the logic behind either of those deals because if you take a look at that Leverkusen squad, you've got Frimpong, you've got Kusonu, you've got Tapsapa, you've got um, Hincapié, you've got Florian Wirtz, Ezekiel Palacios, Nadim, uh, not not so much Nadim Miri, uh, Noah Nabamba, Musa Diaby, Amin Adli, Adam Plozek. You've got this incredibly talented young group of players that you should really be b- building your team with. <clears throat> and instead, they've decided to bring in a couple of old geezers who are fairly run-of-the-mill average kind of players. They're not they're not needle movers. They're not going to make the difference between finishing fifth and finishing third. Yeah. If if Leverkusen get top three next season, it will be because of the development of a Florian Verts, of a Kasonu, of a Hincapié, of a Frimpong. It will be those players that raise the ceiling for Leverkusen. I would have liked to have seen them go even harder at that youth movement and, you know, build a team that's, 
under 25, maybe with Patrick Schick as the only one above that age, and really put in place something that could, maybe not this coming season, but the following season, if you can keep it all together, a team that could go and have a real bash at Bayern Munich and try and finally take that title off them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Grimaldo as a left-sided option is, is I think, fine, considering he obviously was on a free as well and maybe frees up in Capia to go back into the centre a bit more often. But 35 million euros on a 31-year-old run-of-the-mill, like you say, forward, and a very, very soon-to-be 31-year-old fairly run-of-the-mill midfielder, doesn't look great. No, I can only imagine that there are a couple of big outgoings coming up. I, I You know, Topsapa has been linked to Spurs. I wonder if they're preparing for that. And like you say, maybe Hincapié moves into the middle then and Grimaldo takes over at left back. And like you, I, like I quite like Alex Grimaldo, but, you know, he's 27. He's not, he's not at the end of his prime. He's in his prime. And he's proven himself consistently to be a very, very good left back. He's not like a Granit Xhaka who's had one good season in the seven years he's been at Arsenal. He's not Jonas Hoffman who might give you, you know, one seven out of 10 amid a sea of five and six out of tens. He is somebody that can contribute to winning. He's proven that he's won titles with Benfica. Like he leaves Benfica a four-time title winner. So uh, the Grimaldo deal I quite like, but these other two, I, I don't like them at all. And, We'll wait and see what else they do. Um, speaking of players you don't like in Swiss internationals. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> Harris Seferovic yeah. has made a move. He's joined, is it Al-Wasil in Dubai? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I mean... al Wasil in Dubai. So he's going to um, the United Arab Emirates Football League. Um, If you can name me three other players in that league, I'd be... I'd be thrilled to know them. Um, how many goals will Harris Seferovic score in that league next season and why will it be less than four? <laughs> um, I mean, this is a guy who has had two decent goal-scoring seasons in his entire career. Both of mm. them were with Benfica, um, who just, you know, score a lot of goals. So, I mean, you've picked four. If you take out his two good goal-scoring seasons with Benfica, he has had one season in the last decade where he's got more than four. And that time he got five. So I, I, 
I'm going to back him. I'm going to back him to do the five again this year. <laughs> big oh, Harris. He's not good. He's not big good. Harris with five for Al Wasil. Uh, you like? I mean, it it literally is. It's two good seasons. Now, you could say two and a half because his first year at Eintracht Frankfurt, he did okay. He got 11 goals in 34 games. But, you know, he had the two seasons with Benfica. But the problem is he went 7 and 29, then 27 and 51, then 9 and 45, then 26 and 48, and then 5 and 15. And Benfica couldn't wait to be rid of him. He spent. You, you can't you can't go around counting goals against Odia Denze and and Vartax FK and all this sort of crap in the Europa League league goals. That's what we're going on here. League goals and nothing else. Okay, well, league goals wise is even better. He went four and twenty, twenty three and twenty nine. Like twenty three and twenty nine is a hell of a season. That's a very five and thirty, twenty two and thirty one, and then three and ten. This past season, he spent half the year on loan with Galatasaray who decided at Christmas time that he was so bad they didn't want anything more to do with him. He scored no goals in his 10 league games there. He went to Celta Vigo in La Liga, where you and me could go and score six goals in a season because everybody can score in that league. And he got three goals in 18 games. Um, yeah, I mean, for the career, it's it's four seasons in double figures one of which was in Syria B and is 10 years ago now. It, it, it really is just abject mediocrity throughout the career. And can we also point out that that really good season he had 23 and 29 in 1819, that was the season Benfica just went on the rampage with a young yeah. Felix and they scored over 100 goals that season. So, you know, yes, he benefited and he obviously contributed fine, not not trying to remove everything that he did. But that was a season where they just blew up everything with him, Jonas and Jao Felix. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, the best of luck to Harris. Uh, Tom James is moving there in November. I'm actually quite jealous because I look out the window and it's been pissing rain for about a week and a half and uh, he's gone off to live in the sunshine forever. So, you know, there is that. Um, right, we have some questions that you requested on Discord. Mm. So we'll go with, this one is from Tim. Hey guys, we talk a lot about bargains and good deals, but what about the other side of the scale? Which really expensive player, over 100 million, over 300,000 a week, would actually be worth it for Liverpool, if any, and why? So let's just say, because... Let's just say, like, let's bring that down. Let's say kind of over 80 million and over 200 grand a week because the only player I would look at and think if there was a possibility we could get him, we might pay over 100 million and over 300 grand a week. The only player I think is Mbappe because if we were willing to pay these types of figures, we might well have signed Jude Bellingham. So I would say let's bring that down. 80 million, I think, is a ballpark in which we might be willing to go for somebody if they're the right player. And I think we'd be okay bringing someone in on 200 grand a week. So let's start there. Who would you look at? Who would be the, if you could name, give me, give me two or three if you have them. 
So I assume here we're going to rule out what Mbappe, obviously, who you've just mentioned, and also people like you know Haaland and Vinicius, who I yes. would pay that much for, but we're, we're never going to get sort of thing. Yeah, because realistically, Real will never let Vinicius go unless he decides that, you know, yeah. the racism is enough. And Haaland's not joining us because he earns 800, 850 grand a week. So top of my list for this would be Bukayo Saka. Um, I would take him in a heartbeat, whatever the cost. I think age, quality, mentality, uh, positional versatility, tactical intelligence, technique. There's not a box that that boy doesn't tick. And I would pay whatever it took to get him. Um, I would pay an additional premium if it was because we knew Salah was going, obviously. But he would come straight into my team in as a number eight or wherever else there's a, a requirement for him. So he would top that for me. I would have no hesitation in paying 80 and above. Obviously, now with signed a new contract, it's it's unlikely it can happen. But give it another season or two seasons of Arsenal being considerably not as good as Liverpool. If they make many missteps in the transfer market, suddenly they may find themselves out of that top four. As we've spoken about, it's going to be really, really competitive again now mm. with at least six, if not seven teams going for season after season. Um, so I think he has to be my absolute number one. And I'll let you discuss others, but I'd say the next couple on my list would be Gavi from Barcelona. And if there was the opportunity to get him, I'd I'd very, very much consider Jamal Musiala in that category as well. I would fully be on board with all three, without question. Um, I, they're three very special players. Um, Saka would be high on my list, without question, because we've talked about before, the thing with Saka is he can be absolutely anything you want him to be. So you want him right wing, he's an he's an eight or nine out of ten every week. You want him left wing, he's an eight or nine out of ten every week. You want him as an eight, he'd be an eight or nine out of ten every week. You want him at left back or left wing back, he's probably a seven to nine every week. Like he's just got this rare ability to adapt to wherever you want it from. And we saw him play right wing back in games for Arsenal and be good at it. So, you know, he's just the type that you just take him, whether you have an obvious need or not, and you figure it out afterwards. Gavi, without doubt, is a sensational talent. And Musiala, I, he's he's spectacular. He really is spectacular. Um, To go a few others, I would pay it for Chuameni. I wouldn't hesitate. If that's what it took to get him, I would pay it for him. I'd go 80 and I'd happily pay the 200 grand a week. I think you put him into this newly constructed midfield with Dominic and Alexis and then Trent stepping in if if you're going to continue that. Then I just think he's a perfect fit. I would pay the same for Caicedo, though I don't think the wages would be that high, but I would pay it for him because at 21, He's already established himself as one of the best midfielders in the league. And I think you get eight to 10 years of, of excellence with him. Florian Verts, I think, would cost less than that. But I'd probably push to 80 if that's what it took to get him. Because I think, I think he and Musiala are kind of neck and neck. I think they're spectacular. We, we went through our 2003 Verts 
and it's Musiala, Verts, and and Jude. And I had Verts first. And I, I, as I said at the time, I think the two of them are interchangeable in terms of who's better, who's who's the secondary. But I would pay it for him. I'd pay it for Kavicha. I know it's one season sample size, but the the age, the talent, the physique, and the the potential, like. I don't think there's much chance that he's not incredible for the next six, seven, eight years. And the last name I'll give you is Victor Osman. Now, I know we don't need a number nine, but if Napoli called tomorrow and said, look, we want Darwin Nunes and 50 million and we'll we'll send you Osman, I do that deal. And I love Darwin, but I would do that deal because I think Osman is as an all-round centre forward. Now, not as a goal scorer, but as an all-round centre forward, I think he's the best in the world now. I would have him above Haaland as an all-rounder because I think he impacts the game in more ways. And even when he doesn't score, he can still give you a 9 out of 10 performance. If Haaland doesn't score, it's a 4 out of 10. And you're playing with 10 men. So Osman, Kavicha, Verts, Chuameni, Caicedo. And after that, I'd be struggling. There might be one defender I'd do it for. I might do it for Ronald Arejo. Because I think his age and his profile would give you reason to believe that there's enough left in terms of development for him to make it worthwhile. Are you therefore saying you wouldn't pay it for Declan Rice? I wouldn't pay it for Declan Rice in a fit. I would max out at 60 million for Declan Rice. I wouldn't go a penny above that. What about... Oh, I I might consider it for Alfonso Davies. If I was playing with wingbacks, yeah. I would probably do it for him. Now, I mean, if we're, if we're changing up systems, then I, I guess that's um, sort of a, a bit of a different question as well. But I suppose the, the Tim's original explanation required was, would it be worth it for Liverpool and why? So therefore I'm assuming same system and why. Mm-hmm. So... Tell me why Verts, because I would put him slightly different to Musiala. I would always keep him a little bit further forward and maybe therefore not quite the same fit for this current setup. I'd be the opposite with Verts. I think he's a little better deeper. Like, I wouldn't have an issue with playing Florian Verts as an eight in a three. I, I, My dream eights for us going into the summer would have been Verts as the left-sided one, and then either Dominic or Valverde, depending on which you wanted, as the right-sided one. So, now we've signed Alexis, so there isn't a need for Verts. But if we were to move to, say, again, I'm moving the system, but if we were to move to, say, a a four-box-two, I'd move Alexis back into the double pivot and play Verts and Dominic as those sort of eight slash tens. Yeah, I mean, like, there's still a lot of development 
Monday, both of those players and kind of like Saka as well. You can still develop them exactly as, as you want if you're the team to get him, basically. Um, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I just like him further forward at the moment. I think that's where I see the most use for him. But like I say, different teams, different systems, even in the same team, and you can get a lot of different things out of him, just like Kamavinga and just like a lot of the uh, younger players anyway, to be honest. Um, one that we should mention that Guy put in uh, our little chat here. Say somebody came in for Gakpo, Gakpo decided he didn't like the Premier League or Klopp went off him or whatever. Would you take Harry Kane for that money now? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt he's incredible. There's absolutely no question he's incredible. I don't think I would. And it's... I, I think he's... My concern with him is Harry Kane has dodgy ankles. And I don't know. I can't... You can't be certain you'll get four to five years out of anybody. But if I'm doing this and I'm Liverpool, because this is about Liverpool, if I'm spending this type of money, I want to be more certain that, you know, in five years' time, this player is going to still be producing and isn't a big injury risk. Now, I know we've spent a lot of money on injury risks in the past, but, like, the the players I'd be looking at to do this for, in five years, they'd be 26, 27, 28, and I could potentially then sell them for huge fees, I wouldn't pay it on somebody that when they leave my club, it's almost certainly going to be on a free. And I worry about his ankles. He's he's incredible. But I wouldn't do it for Liverpool, no. There you go. Guy messed up with an edit and Guy messed up with the transfer. You've, you've poured scorn on his idea. What about, he also mentions Raphael Liao. Would you pay that for Raphael Liao? Maybe slightly less. I'm not sure about 80. He'd have to have a really, really good season first. Mm. Um, yeah, like I mean, the, the other ones that would be in this, uh, there's one other player, and I think we both agree on this. Now, do we need him in the current shape? Maybe not, but you could move things around. You could play Dominic off the left wing. Would you do it for Fede Valverde? Because I would. Um, I mean, I would at any point. Yeah, it's just going to mean a, a reshuffle of, of personnel, isn't it? So, yeah, you move you move Dominic to the left wing. You play Fetty and Alexis as your as your eights, and I think that way you go with Darwin as the nine because now you've got more of a playmaker on the left wing. So you go Mo, Darwin, Dominic, Fetty, and Alexis behind them, and like you're just, you're going to be absolute hell to play against. I mean, I'd even just put Fede in as the six, to be perfectly honest, and wait until Salah leaves and then make a rearrangement yeah. if necessary. Do that either, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, Fede would have to be on that list for me. Yeah. Um, here's a, a kind of sub-question to this. If you're Real Madrid, you are now in charge for the next three minutes at Real Madrid. Right. Killing Mbappe is pushing his way out of PSG. PSG call you and say, look, he wants out, he wants you. We don't like it, but we're just going to do it. But the fee is 150 million. And you take a look in the bank account and there's no money there, none at all, not a penny. 
but you do have a parking space that the Spanish government is willing to pay you 70 million for. You need another 80 million to get to the 150. Are you selling Chuameni, Fede Valverde, or Eduardo Camavinga? And also, I would pay the 80 million for Eduardo Camavinga, I should say. He would also be on my list. You have to sell one of them. Which one are you selling? From a Real Madrid perspective? Yes. Uh, Chuameni. I think there's enough overlap between Valverde, Bellingham, and Chuameni for his exact role to be covered. Camavinga obviously have the added benefit of him having been left back for them. And I think he's the more inclined six to actually sit six out of him and Chuameni. Chuameni is a very, very good six, but also has eight tendencies. Mm-hmm. So probably just about him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Carl, their midfield is not fair. It hasn't been fair for a decade. It hasn't been fair for a decade, and now it's not going to be fair for another one. And, like, they're all, all four of them are 80 to 100 million pound players. And they spent 4 million on Fetty, 25 or something on Camavinga, 70 on Chiumeni, and 100 on. They got them for like 200 million. And it's arguably, you know, 400 million worth of talent. Like, and, and they're all young. Fetty's the oldest. He turns 25 this year. They'll have, they can have that midfield if they want it for a long, long time. And it's so malleable. They can adapt to any setup, any shape. They could play it as a box midfield, as a diamond. They could play a three and stick Camavinga at left back. They could play a three and stick Fetty at right back. They could stick Fetty on the right wing. Like it, it's just, it's really unfair. <laughs> oh, considering the dreck that we had to watch in midfield last season, and they've got that. Oh. I, I too many is the one I would sell as well because, like you said, I think between the other three, they can make up his skill set. And I think the other three, Valverde and Camavinga in particular, they're so versatile. Like they're literally, you know, the right and left side of each other. They can play anywhere, do anything, and offer whatever you need them to offer. You want control, they give you control. You want chaos. Those two will bring the chaos. Sensational players. Sensational players. Right. Let's move on. We have another question here from Angry Alpha Mandrill, whose name I've said four times in the last week, and I'm still stumbling over it. Um, It's two questions, so we'll start with the first one. Who is the actual threat to Man City winning the league as it is right now? My answer is nobody. I don't think there's anybody right now who looks like a real contender to take the title off them. I think the biggest threat is themselves, is exhaustion. Four in a row is not something that we've seen. A lot of teams have won three in a row over the the lifetime of the the Premier League. United have done it a couple of times. City have done it now. The league, the, the old first division was won three times. Four in a row is, is, is a different kettle of fish. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me 
and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'd say the same. It's really only Man City at this point. Um, I don't even think exhaustion, to be honest. I just think it's incredibly difficult to keep up that level of consistency year after year after year. And even if you drop off a tiny, tiny bit, sometimes that's enough if someone else is having a great season. So I, I do think at the minute it's it's only City. If they are not able to renew enough or are not able to get the very best straight away or... I mean, you can't even really say if they get an injury to Haaland because I think if Haaland didn't play a game next season, they'd still win the league because Alvarez is that good. So Yeah, I mean, they won the two, league, two titles this, before this one with no striker. Yeah, so I, I think at the minute it is just Man City's focus let's say the the mental freshness the mental ability to just keep going and going and going and i think that mostly they'll be absolutely fine with that if i'm being honest as it stands i would expect a fourth in a row for them and let's not forget it would be six in a row already if not for an unbelievably historic season and started season by liverpool six in a row already this is just a ridiculous, ridiculous squad. In the history of English football, three in a row has been done six times. Huddersfield in the 1920s, Arsenal in the 1930s. It wasn't done again until Liverpool did it in the 1980s. So three times in the old football league. In a hundred years. In a hundred years. In... Yeah, exactly, 100 years. And it's been done three times in the 30 years of the Premier League. United did it twice, uh, 98, 99, 2000, uh, and 99, 2000, and 2000, 2001. They did it again in 06, 07, 07, 08, and 08, 09. And City have now done it. Like, a, a lot of these things become more common. Like, do you remember when we were kids, the idea of winning the double was this incredible thing to win the league and FA Cup. And now it happens, yeah. happens all the time. Um, like even when Arsenal won the cup double, that was such a thing. Now we've done it since city have done it since. So, you know, th- these are, these things do happen more commonly. So if someone is eventually going to win four in a row, and I don't think we've ever seen a team, with as big a gap over the competitors as City have right now over the rest of us. Because if you look back at the two United times, Arsenal were great, but they were rebuilding as United won the three in a row. And then Arsenal ended up winning two of the next three. And then when United did the second time, like Chelsea were right there as well. 
And then obviously they just made a couple of changes, got Carlo in, and then they went and won the league. But there's, there's no one close to this City team. Like Arsenal, Arsenal had a great 19 games and then a very average 19 games. And they're probably closer to the second 19 than the first 19, but they're somewhere in the middle. They're not a title caliber team right now, in my view. If City had taken things, well, if City had adapted quicker to Haaland last season, I think they would have run away with the league quite comfortably. Now they'll have a year of being used to Haaland. There's going to be some incomings. We know that. Now they are losing Gundogan. They might lose Bernardo, but they've got Foden to step into the Bernardo role. They've signed Kovacic. Absolutely no doubt they're going to sign two or three more players who will improve them. Even if it's just in terms of the squad, Alvarez will be a year older, a year more experienced. Rico Lewis will be older, more experienced there. Rodri is approaching his prime. He's going to keep getting better. Same with Diaz. So, you know, they're they're getting better even if they stand still. And I think Arsenal have spent £210 and I don't know that they've improved their team. Because Timber's very good and I do like him, but is he a starter? I don't know that he's a starter. If he is, he takes Ben White's position, but he doesn't offer the same passing or decision-making in the final third that White does, even though he's a better defender. So I don't know that you're you're improving in that sense. Rice is not as good a six as Thomas Partey. Now, if Rice is the Xhaka replacement, that is an upgrade. But if he's the Partey replacement, that's a downgrade. And if Kai Havertz is the Xhaka replacement... I really don't know what to make of that because, yeah, he should offer more in the final third, but Jackie got nine goals and seven assists last year. Kai has averaged the same number of goal involvements over his time with Chelsea, but that was playing as a number nine. How does he adapt into midfield? And what happens on the defensive side of things? Like Arsenal might take a step, but I think Arsenal will take a step back next season. Plus they've got the Champions League to worry about. And they're not going to be able to play the same team game after game after game after game. They also got very lucky with injuries last year, which you wouldn't bet on happening two years in a row. United, I don't think, have improved. The signing of Mason Mount doesn't move the needle. Uh, Newcastle will improve with Tenali, but they'll also have Champions League and teams are will be ready for them this year. I think we have improved significantly, but I think we started off quite a distance away from the title, even though I would still have said we were the second best team in the country, even having had a dreadful season, we knew why we had a dreadful season. I think we can get to them, but I think we need to to nail our next two signings. I think Liverpool are the closest to City as things stand. Um, But part of that is the transfers. Part of that is the fact that ourselves and Arsenal have basically flipped our seasons. We can rest players midweek now, certainly for the first half of the season, because... You know, Europa League, have they been playing the last few seasons? They've been playing, was it, I can't remember now, was it Shamrock or Bohemians or someone like that from from uh, Ireland or Northern Shamrock Ireland? Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, yeah. St. Patrick's Athletic. Some That's good teams there. I won't yeah. any disparaging of the Irish League. No, no disparaging whatsoever, but they were able to play Reese Nelson and Eddie and Ketty and all that and keep everybody fresh for league. And that's why the first half of the season they were so good. They didn't have to change their lineup. And if we really want to, we can do that this coming season. They cannot. Otherwise they're just going to go home along with like 
Marseille or they'll go back down to the to the Europa League in, in January. So if they want success on all fronts and prove that they are taking strides forward, then they're not going to be able to do what they did last year, whereas we can. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully agree. Um, one question on Arsenal before we move on. Uh, in the last two summers, they have given new contracts of £100,000 a week to both Eddie and Kethia and Reese Nelson. Which of those contracts is better? For the players or for, for From an Arsenal point of view, because it appears like they gave them the contracts so that they could keep the asset and potentially sell them down the road. Yeah. I just don't know that there's a load of teams lining up to pay Eddie Nketiah or Reese Nelson a hundred grand a week. I think Nketiah is the better addition because one, you can keep him as a relatively reliable number nine. I think he's a better backup, let's say, than we had when we had what David Gog or you know any of that kind of ilk. He's he's, he's always going to leave a bit of a gap to. Gabriel Jesus or whoever else they start up front, but I think he's fine. Um, so I think that they can at least get the value from him as a as a squad player. It's an overpayment in terms of salary, obviously, relative to quality, but that's where Arsenal are apparently at the minute. Reese Nelson, I just I don't see where he thinks he's going to get the games. I, I genuinely cannot fathom why that boy who has talent but has no consistency in his career so far thinks he's going to get game time. I just the big bag of Obviously, money. I mean, yeah, he stayed for the money. He has I'm sure that. he could have got a fair whack somewhere else. Yeah, but I think he's. I think he's just chosen the cash, which is not a good sign for Arsenal. I don't think. And they've also given huge new deals to Saliba and Saka and Martinelli and Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale. And we have seen it at other clubs in the past when players get that enormous contract sometimes some of the motivation goes. And Arsenal, they've also given Kai Havertz a reported 340 grand a week, which I assume is mean Declan Rice will get somewhere similar, if not more. And like Odegaard's up for a new deal soon as well. So he's going to want similar as club captain and arguably their best player last season, along with Saka. Like that wage bill is, is really starting to get very, very big. And they better hope that they can stay in the top four because if they don't, that's when we might see the potential of Bakayo Saka becoming available. Unless they have structured all of these add-ons where they're on 30 Champions League if money. They're not in yeah, the Champions yeah. League, yeah. That, um, that's what Odegaard, yeah, Odegaard has two years left to run, so he should be renewing this summer or mm. in the coming months after the window shuts, really. And that'll be a fascinating one to see how quickly that get done gets done because the Saliba deal and the Saka deal took quite a long time to get done and master negotiator Edu eventually just gave in to what the players wanted. Um, right, question number two. Actually, just one last little bit of trivia on the, uh, the teams that won three in a row. So obviously Pep has managed all three of cities. Ferguson managed United's three both times. Uh, we had Bob for two and Joe Fagan for the other. When Arsenal did it, Herbert Chapman managed the first, Joe Shaw was the caretaker manager who saw it the second season, and George Allison managed the third. They're the only team to do it with three different managers. And the Huddersfield time, Herbert Chapman was there for the first two, and Cecil Potter, uh, who I don't believe is related to Graham, 
was the manager for the third. The reason that um, Joe Shaw saw out the the second Arsenal season is that Herbert Chapman died halfway through the season at the age of 55. Imagine, like, I, I, I don't remember the last time a manager died mid-season. Like, that would be, that you'd imagine that would just completely wreck a season because the players would be distraught, the club would be thrown up in the air, they wouldn't know what to do. It says quite a lot about how well Arsenal were able to just adapt and, and move forward. But Herbert Chapman undeniably one of the greatest managers English football ever saw. Anyway, to move on. Um, with Liverpool while we're here, now, while, we're, while we're on completely irrelevant manager talk, just yes. because I'm reading it at the moment and going down the list, between 1986 and 2003, Scottish managers won mm. the league title, the first division and then the Premier League, obviously, when it changed. Every single season, except for four of them. Yeah. That's pretty mad. Yeah. Howard Wilkinson and three from Wenger. And Howard Kendall. Oh, Howard Kendall as well. Howard, Howard Kendall, Kendall well. Howard Wilkinson and two for us and Wenger. It's actually crazy because even if you go up to 2013, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine seasons from... 85 to 2013, non-Scottish managers won it nine seasons. And <laughs> Scottish crazy. managers won it the rest. Obviously, Ferguson dominated, but Kenny won four. George Graham won two. Yeah. And and I would be curious to see when the next time um, a Scottish manager will win the league is, because I don't think... Billy Gilmore. There you go. That's Billy what it's going to be. Billy Gilmore or Scott McTominay. Yeah. No, Billy Gilmore. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, Part two of the question then. Right. With Liverpool now slowing down on the outside in terms of incomings, how many are we realistically expecting? I know left side centre-back and defensive midfield are the ones being touted, but is that enough? Um. I think we're only going to get one more midfielder and that's it for seniors. You don't think we'll get a centre-back? No, I think we might leave that one. The only way I think we get a centre-back is if, you know, an actual Matip departs. Yeah, if Matip or Gomez goes. But if... You see, if we sign Lavia, we can sell Gomez and buy a non-homegrown player. But it would make more sense to sell Matip because he's older. He's been quite poor for 15 or 16 months. Now, Gomez has as well, but Matip is older and he has one year left in his deal. Matip should have been one of the first ones getting sold this summer. Like, I don't understand why we continue to let money walk out the door for nothing. This is a really bad habit that the club have gotten into, and it's driven by Klopp because he won't say goodbye to players. Um, I think we'll sign three more players. But I think one of them will be a goalkeeper, because I think Cuevin will leave. 
So I think his replacement will just be funded by him for less than he goes for. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think we will sign a centre-back. I don't know if it's going to be a starter, though. I wouldn't be surprised if we signed a left-footed centre-back who's maybe a year away from being ready to play regularly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we tried for Jared Branthwaite if it got down to late in August and we were still looking for somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if we went and tried for him and looked at him as, you know, a long-term squad player, not necessarily a long-term starter. But I really hope we don't, because, like I've said this before, it's not a one-window rebuild anyway. This is a, a three- or four-window rebuild, because the, cl- the the squad was allowed to age and deteriorate so badly, because Klopp wouldn't say goodbye to players, and he clung on to lads that had no use to us at all. He's still doing that. There are still players in that squad that offer absolutely nothing on the pitch. They might offer stuff in the dressing room, but like when you have to reach for this intangible stuff, it really does speak of what you think of the guy as a player. And, you know, when I, when I look around, I've just seen Chelsea let their captain leave. I've seen City let their captain leave. And there's no panic among their fan base of, oh, what about the leadership? And these are guys that have won it all as well. These are guys that have had better careers than our captain, for example. But yet we seem to be in this manic idea that, well, we can't afford to let Henderson go after letting Milner go. Like, who'd set the standards then? Well, like the great players would set the standards as they always have done. Like Mo Salah's not coming into training and asking James Milner what he should do of a Tuesday. The great players set the standards of the club. Thiago's more than capable if he sticks around of setting some standards. Virgil can set some standards. Even Robbo, Trent, these lads can set standards for others. It doesn't have to be lads who don't offer stuff on the pitch. But I will be very disappointed if we don't address both the defensive midfield and this, the only way I would accept not addressing the centre-back position is if we bring in two more midfielders and actually complete the midfield rebuild. 
that would be the only way for me that it would be acceptable is that we go and we get, let's say, Lavia and Manu Kone, and we bring both of them in on top of Dominic and Alexis. And then you've got those four plus Curtis plus Besetic as a long-term group of six. You've still got Fabinho and Thiago who can contribute this year. That would be the only circumstance in which I'd be okay with not buying a centre-back. Could happen, but I just don't see us getting that many for that one position in uh, in a single window. But I, I said a while back, I think two might be as many as we get. So I've actually upgraded us now, and hopefully we do get another one because we did two of them so early. So we will see. Well, there will be nobody to blame for anybody other than Jurgen if next season goes as badly as it did last season. He was able to hide behind the owners because people were of the belief that the owners didn't back him, even though he per, per publicly said it, it was my choice not to buy a midfielder. He then ignored the chance to buy a midfielder in January to sign Cody Gakpo. And I like Gakpo, he's a good player, but we needed a midfielder more than we needed Cody Gakpo. So he was able to, to kind of skate on last season, but that's two seasons out of three that have been a disaster because of choices he made. A third season out of four, he... I, they can't survive that. Um, right. You said you had a quiz. I do. Hopefully you haven't done it already. I I haven't done any quizzes in the last couple of days. There we go then. So this is off the back of Sandra Tonali joining Newcastle. Okay. And it is the most expensive Italian footballers of all time. Oh, wow. Um, so we've got the top 10. And I can give you, obviously, the prices as we go. And then there are two levels of clues I can give you when you're struggling as well. So, Guy, if you're not sounding robotic, you can feel free to join in. And obviously, the Discord listeners are also able to. So the prices range from 64 million euros as the most expensive down to 36 million euro in 10th. And what 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 type of... Uh... What type of range are we looking at here? Like, what type of time frame are we looking at in terms of what's the oldest deal on this list? The oldest deal is 1999. 1999. Christian Vieri. That's number four. Vieri at £46 million moved from Lazio to Inter Milan. To enter. Uh, is Gigi Buffon on the list? Gigi Buffon. Buffon is indeed in third. He went from Parma to Juve two years later, 53 million euro. Alessandro Nesta from Lazio to Milan? Negative. Ooh. Okay. Um, um, Enrico Chiesa. Enrico Chiesa is fifth place. Uh, He moved from Fiorentina to Juventus. Three years ago, 43 million euro. Was the modern transfers as well? Sorry? Was the modern transfers as well? Or is it just all transfers? Well, that one, Chiesa, was only three years ago, so yeah. Oh, I thought you meant, I thought you said his dad for some reason. Vlavic? Is his dad on the list? No, he's not. Okay, Vlavic is not Italian. Uh, oh, I thought it was a Syria. I was... Manuel Locatelli? No, Locatelli is not on the list. Uh Obviously, Tonali is the one that's most expensive. Yeah, Tonali has obviously gone number one, 64 million euro. 
Milan to Newcastle. Okay. So you've got second to find, and then you've got sixth all the way down to tenth. Okay. Um, I want to say Angelo Peruzzi, but I don't think he went for that much. No, he didn't. And I think he might have been earlier than 99 as well for his big move. Taldo? No. Cannavaro's not on this list, I don't think. No. Right. Um, so I'm missing the set. What? What? Give me just a, like a, a five-year range for the second one. For the second one. Uh, let's say 2015 to, to 2020 range. Oh, so it's recent enough. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it wasn't Arella. He went for quite cheap. And he's no longer at the club that he transferred to in this deal. He's no longer at the club that he transferred to. But he's still an active player, obviously. He not is. Benucci. No, but Benucci is sixth on the list. Okay. Uh, Juventus to Milan, 2017, 42 million euro. Okay. Um, His return transfer obviously just misses out. I think that was 30 off the top of my head. I think I think it was 30, yeah. Um, Did Milan sign a right-back for Lords? Was it Calabria? Yeah. Not Calabria. This is the other one. Caldara? Caldara. Mattia Caldara. Juve to Milan. 38 million euro in 2018. That was the swap for Benucci. That brought Benucci back. Yeah. And then he tore his ACL. He was a really good centre-back with Atalanta. And then just had horrendous knee knee injury. There was also a right-back that went from... Atalanta to Milan around the same time, whose name escapes me, who turned out to not be very good. Um, oh, God, I should know these. Uh, no, that was afterwards. How much did City buy Balotelli for? Not enough to be on this list. Okay. Thankfully, nor did we. Yeah. <laughs> um, So I can run up some clues from the bottom up. Yeah, give give me some clues. So in 10th place, we've got a player who came to the Premier League within, let's say, post-COVID. I'm not going to narrow it down entirely. Post-COVID? Post-COVID signing to the Premier League, 36 million euro. Not Jorginho. No, that was... Not Jorginho, but Jorginho is number two on the list. There you but go. Him, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorginho from Napoli to Chelsea would be the one, yeah. wouldn't it? 2018, 57 million euro. He was the most expensive. Oh, Skamaka is on the list. Skamaka is number 10. 22, uh, sorry, 2022, 36 million euro. Sassuolo to West Ham. That's Skamaka. Yeah. So you are missing uh, seven, eight, nine. seven and nine. Seven and nine. Seven uh, is relatively recently, but before COVID. And number nine is the second oldest deal, or joint second oldest deal on this list. Okay. 
Um, By the way, Jorginho for nearly 60 mil. <laughs> You'd be upset with your purchase, wouldn't you? Dear me. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Right. So our, our, our pre-COVID, just Italians in the Premier League, we haven't had... So neither of these, these two went to Premier League clubs. Oh, neither of them went to the Premier You said one of them came to the Premier League. That was Skamaka. Oh, that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was Skamaka. You've already got him. Right. Neither of them came to Premier League. So, so were, these, were these Serie A to Serie A moves? Yes. Both of them. Okay, Saniol's not on this list. Um... Is is Chiro Mobley on this list? He is not on this list. Okay. But you have got a relatively similar profile of player as one of the two. Probably probably even more poachery than Immobile, to be honest, who at least does do a bit of channels back in the day. Um it's not Bellotti. No. It's not Is this the Luca, older one? Luca the Tony? Older one. Not Luca Tony, but reasonable not, lines. Not Signore. No. Um, Christ. This is going to really annoy me. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to use Pez. Cassano? No. Disrespectful. Give, give, me another, give me another clue on number nine. Number nine. The year was 2001. The, the amount was 36 million euro. Would you like the club he left? The club he left, yeah. Juventus. He left Juventus in 2001. The club he went to would be the club he is most usually associated with. He left Juventus in 2001. Wasn't that the year they sold Zidane as well? Who else did they sell that year? They brought uh, in... A genuine great, I think we can say. Even if not, you know, greatest player in the world at any point. Definitely a great in his... Particular position, role, all that kind of thing. How long was he at Juve for? Do you know? Uh, three years, four years, maybe. Oh. But he stayed longer at the club he joined. Okay, so it's not Zambrata. It's not Chiro Ferrara. It's not Cannavaro. It's not... It's not someone like Pissarro, because he wouldn't be good enough. It's not Conte or Delivio. It's not Juliano. It's not Ferrara. It's not Peruzzi, you said. All the names you've just mentioned, like the Delivios and Sassotos and Julianos, you're looking for a much, much better known player than this. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to work through that Juve squad. And obviously, it wasn't Del Piero. Who else was in that team? It has to be an attacking player, surely. Yeah, yeah, so I said similar lines to to Luca Tony. Yeah, not not the same profile as Tony. Closer to uh, Immobile than Tony. Does he not um, Trezeguet because he's French? 
It's not Ravenelli, because that was before that. It's not Viali, because that was before that. He left it a free. It's not Nicolo Amoroso. It's not Baggio, obviously, because that's way before that. Time for another clue. Yeah. He has since gone on to be a manager. It's not Roberto Mancini, clearly. No. No. He's since gone. Oh, is it Inzaghi? It is Inzaghi. Yeah, it's Filippo Inzaghi from Juventus to, to AC Milan. Filippo Inzaghi, 36 million euro in 2001. Spawny. The spawniest bastard that ever lived. Right, so <laughs> I'm missing number seven. You are. And it's a it's a more recent deal. Yes, 2017. 2017. 40 million euro. It's not that winger that went from Fiorentina to Juventus, is it? It is. Um, oh, Christ. Left-footed. Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi, that's it. Federica Bernadeschi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's your 10. Tonali, Jorginho, Buffon, Vieri, Chiesa, Bonucci, Bernadeschi, Caldara, Nzaghi, Scamacca. I'm annoyed that it took me so long to get Nzaghi. I'm really annoyed that it took me so long to get Nzaghi. Yeah. That was good, though. That's a good quiz. That is a good quiz. I find it a little bit surprising that that's as low as it goes for for only a top 10, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair. And also, like, the fact that Tonali, I know it's a good fee, but, like, that he's the most expensive Italian player. Imagine if some of the Italian players from the 90s or 2000s were rocking around now. Yeah. I mean, if you extrapolate the prices they went for then in in relative It would be significantly more, obviously. It would be a lot higher. Lentini and all the rest of them. So it's fine. But yeah, there we go. Cool. Right. Is I think that's all we have for today. That is. Uh you're away on holiday for uh the next is it the next week or the next two weeks? Uh I'm away for a week and then I'm off for a little longer, but I'll probably record a pod or two then when I'm back. Cool, cool. Right. We have some plans to get through the summer. Uh we have some clubs we are planning to rebuild. So um we're gonna redo or rebuild Juve, we're going to rebuild Wolves and a post-Harry Kane Spurs. So if anyone has some suggestions of other clubs they'd like us to rebuild, and let us know in the Discord, and uh, we'll go from there. Right, thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel, so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index oh and before you go we'd love it if you could leave us a five star review on your favourite podcast app it only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows Sports Social Podcast Network